I'm Jackie. I'm Lita. This is Why Haven't You Watched That? So I think this is the first just straight up dumb movie we've done for this podcast. Well, that is a judgment call, <laughs> you know, your, your opinion and everything. Uh, but 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 yes, you're right. Uh, so we have a, another guest today, uh, my best childhood friend, Bonner Dembling. An adulthood friend. An ad- <laughs> adulthood friend, yes. Um, and this is going to be the last episode for Comedy Month, and we decided to go with Baby Geniuses, because Bonner has been clamoring for us to do this one. <laughs> I have been waiting for six months to do this, because... Like since we started. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's almost. been almost a year since we started, actually. As yeah, soon okay. as you mentioned I might get the chance, I started taking mental notes, and then I took <laughs> physical notes, and now this is it. Here we are. Mm-hmm. So, Lita, what did you think? I don't know how much I can say. I don't know what there is to say. Uh, it's a pretty short movie. Yeah, it is pretty For so short. many feelings. Listen, Kim Control is in this. Yeah, which I forgot. Weird. Weird and, choice. She's playing a very wholesome character. Yes. yes. Sex in my city? It's more likely than you think. And she, she looks so young, too. Yeah. This is from the same year that The Matrix came out, so they were using that sweet CGI tech <laughs> to make those babies look like they were talking. And dancing in a yeah. disco outfits for some reason. Jacqueline, when did you first see this movie? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> I distinctly remember when I first saw this movie. I was nine, and I got it for Christmas that year. And um, so I, this, is a, this is a movie from our childhood. So you and I have been on both sides of the audience demographic for this. I watched it the first time, New Year's Eve, going into 2000. And I will say I was exasperated that it takes place during the holidays because I was so done with Christmas that year, even as a kid. And the plot has nothing to do with Christmas. It just yeah. happens to take place in December. So is it a Christmas movie? Well, that's a good question. It's like the old Die Hard question, you well, know? Well, except that it's not worth it. <laughs> that's that's the difference, but, I mean, the answer's no. I mean, I don't know why we're, we're ha- putting in useless filler on this half-hour episode. The answer's no. It's not a Christmas movie. It takes place in, like, what, California? You, there's no snow. Yeah. Uh, it has nothing to do with the plot. I kind of think that if the Christmasness isn't directly related to the plot, then it can't really be a Christmas movie. But also, Christmas movies, whatever you want... If it makes you think about Christmas, it's a Christmas movie. It, it could be American History X for all I care. <laughs> Interesting Christmas. <laughs> but I, I will say that the first time I watched this, I was already annoyed. Because... <laughs> <laughs> and knowing, knowing you at age nine, too, I can just imagine it so perfectly. <laughs> all right, so should we give any background before we get into the plot? Well, background? <laughs> Bonner's more prepared than both of us, so Bonner, you can take it away. I didn't have anything, I was asking you. Oh no, uh, we didn't bother with this. It was a movie that, it had a couple sequels that nobody liked, but... Did anyone like this either? Well, I mean, when we get to the final summation, I'll kind of explain myself into how, whether I like it or not. But it was, it's, it's one of those kind of movies where, like, the first one is okay. I would not call it, like, one of the worst movies ever. It's, like, enjoyably bad. I'll call it that. 
I feel like it's not, I don't know, like, I think there are parts of it that are enjoyably bad, but I feel like watching this, maybe just because I'm, like, slightly hungover from last night, but watching this, I was, like, <laughs> it was kind of a slog for me to get through, uh, past the first hour. I was like, is this over yet? I, I don't know, yeah. I, I liked getting to rewatch it. I don't know if that's a nostalgia thing or if it's a bad movie thing that's enjoyable or if, it, I don't know, but... I, I'll say that I didn't mind having to rewatch it, but then again, it's also easier to rewatch a movie you've seen before. Yeah, it is. So it's yeah. probably easier for me than you. It's probably interesting for Lita to watch this for the first time. <laughs> With no yeah. kid goggles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's a pretty innocuous, like, family movie. Like, this is something that you'd feel fine taking your kids to see and being like oh, i guess like they might like this okay well speaking you know? of speaking of which you say it's innocuous but my first question is how is dr kinder not behind bars from the beginning <laughs> yeah like how does she have how do they not know that she's got these children like who has given her these children are did she just take them out of foster care i or something i, I think i mean they over-explain and under-explain so much in this movie. Yeah. yeah, the exposition computer at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. The thing is that I, I didn't completely understand the plot as a kid, and then when I rewatched it, I still don't completely understand it. <laughs> I understand it better than I did, but also some parts of it, there were, there were holes. And also, it's such a dark beginning and such a dark exposition about twins that were separated at birth to be studied without yeah and then we get this jaunty musical opening that says tristar pictures presents and then like the the, the music like, is like very, like jaunty like very 90s family film music yeah and it's like are they trying to be funny or are they really that unself-aware either way it was a mistake <laughs> something that confuses me too they, these they, they're supposed to be twin brothers does she not remember giving birth to twins well he was adopted uh, the, yeah it's, they say surrogate oh, yeah. mother Oh, okay. Yeah. I see. They did a whole uh, exposition piece there where the kids are in front of them and they're like, oh no, well, we couldn't have the one baby, so we adopted, and then we had the other baby, and she was a miracle, and now we have two babies and no money. Within a year of each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sucks. All right, well, all right, <laughs> all right, so the opening scene, the real opening scene after the opening credits, I, I have to remind uh, Jackie here of my favorite fake line in the movie. Which, um, when Dr. Kinder's giving her speech, and she says, Why does Baby Co. do what we do? Well, we love babies. And then Kim Cattrall mutters, She means she loves money. And I always just wanted to see a CEO with the guts to go behind a podium and say, Why do we do this? Well, we love money. <laughs> I want to see that movie more than this. Oh, for sure. I think that that is really, like, interesting, too, because... All of the, like, family kid movies, especially from this decade, I feel like, like, when we grew up, the message behind all of them was that capitalism and trying to make money at the expense of others is bad. Yeah. So how have we ended up where we are today? Well, Although I guess well, that makes sense. Well, the millennials aren't in charge yet. That's why. Yeah, I, I mean. That's exactly why. Yeah. It's just very interesting. Uh yeah, but then you think about the people who made those films and TV shows were the older generation. So. Yeah, exactly. Like, what are they doing? Just twiddling their thumbs, licking boots? Yeah, exactly. Internships? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I gotta say, the robotic zoo, there's a robotic zoo in an indoor fairground, and I actually think that's kind of an interesting idea, and then I immediately thought, 
Who's the poor kid who gets the sloth? <laughs> that giant baby was terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. The deep voice that comes out of it, give me a hug. <laughs> it just made me think of that Rugrats episode where she has a nightmare about her baby brother and it's like a giant baby, like a giant baby who's just like per the mob or something. Yeah. It's how he acts. <laughs> um, there's also the one line robotic santa and the robotic elves are waiting for you at the robotic north pole it's like all right mm -hmm. we got it we got it okay <laughs> the robots all right yeah and it's like why don't you use real animals well anyone would do that well also because you got to keep animals alive yeah. yeah you gotta like feed them yeah they have more robots than disney <laughs> they, they do see this was yeah well this is also the, the late 90s when the robotic stuff was kind of at its peak too wasn't it probably probably I feel like people don't care as much anymore. Like, we're just like, oh, we have that one creepy AI that talked to Will Smith, but nobody seems to care anymore. Yeah, I think that particular genre has kind of fallen to the wayside. Yeah. Something, I have, I have a question about some of the dialogue the babies had. So, the, these kids in the kinder experiment thing apparently have seen Star Wars and know who Jerry Springer is. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Th that's like, it's sort of this idea of like, um, it's like a kid's idea of what a genius is. Like the idea that you have an encyclopedic knowledge of everything. I know them, it's for kids, but what? Yeah, and also, why does universal knowledge include Jerry Springer? Why is that? <laughs> why is <Yeah>. that considered? <laughs> well, because they mentioned that uh, that Sylvester is so smart that he rewires the computers to watch TV, and that's where he gets his pop culture knowledge from. Um, and also, the idea that uh, from kids' movies that being a genius makes you more socially healthy. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. <laughs> I could not think of a bigger lie. <laughs> and, yeah, they, they also talk about how they only could find eight kids out of 500 that were geniuses because it's so rare to be a genius. Yet, that's a lot of geniuses, considering that they all have completely developed minds and know every area of human study. But it's also useless because no one can understand the baby language once the kids learn to talk. That's established and hammered in. Also, there's a scene where the baby Basil is a brilliant composer, but the adults can't understand his music unless it's put through a computer, sure. <laughs> and no one can appreciate it, so who cares? And um, the it was Teddy, right? The little girl Teddy? I think she so. can write in an ancient, like, rune language, but you can't understand that unless it's put through a computer. What is this computer? <laughs> and also... Who cares? Who Adults can't understand it, and they can't talk yet to tell them, and once they learn to talk, they're not geniuses anyway. Who is this plot for? Yeah, what purpose does it serve that they just know everything until they, t they can talk? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like, I, 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 it just doesn't. I, okay, all right. The irony of this movie is that it's so silly, it's so stupid, yet the plot is so needlessly complicated <laughs> that I don't know who its target audience is. Maybe I'm just dumb, but I'm almost 30, and I was getting lost at certain points, and it's made for young children. Yeah. They're just gonna be like, oh, look at the cool kid banging on the piano. They're doing backflips, it's cute. They're dancing. <laughs> As, as Jackie and I used to say about The Cat in the Hat with Mike Myers, there's no demographic for this movie. <laughs> it's too it's too childish for the adults. It's too adult for the children. Yeah. I feel like they're trying to um, 
and I don't even know how this movie specifically would touch on that, but like it with Cat not. in the Hat, I feel like they're trying to touch on that nostalgia and reel the adults in, but then they also have to like make it a kids movie because there's not enough substance there for it to be an adult movie. And not it's at all. like not ever going to be an adult movie. You know, imagine honestly, in probably five years, they'll do a gritty reboot of the Cat in the Hat. But uh, who's going to be in it? Let's take bets now. Oh, geez. Um, gosh, who has been Chris Pratt? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Or or T J Miller, because only he would um oh, would no. reduce himself to such a thing <laughs> oh, no. and think that he's think it's like art. <laughs> um, so. So we all right, we get the scene where we're introduced to the babies in their environment, which is just a piece of plastic or glass or whatever that they sit on to talk. Mm-hmm. Great kinder method of um, raising children. That's all they get <laughs> to stimulate themselves when they're okay. geniuses. We, we get a nice title drop when um, Kathleen Turner walks in. And, yeah, Hello, my little baby geniuses. <laughs> title drop. I, I, I must say that... The kid, I think it's kids who play, it's two kids who play the twins. I think it's three, actually. Oh, th- I think it's right. triplets. Okay, that's worse, because yeah. this kid, or kids, has the most obnoxious laugh I've <laughs> ever heard, even by baby standards. <laughs> Rewatch it, if you don't believe me. It is, I mean, I know it's supposed to be like this kind of dick baby character, but, <laughs> but God... Yeah, the, terrible laugh. Yeah, just the concept of a like an baby, baby that's an asshole. But oh, like knows that is, it. That, that exists in real life. Oh, and knows it. No, I think that exists too. I've known some true. kids of, true, around true. that age. I do. I, I know exactly what you mean. There's some that they do something and they look at you and they're like, hmm? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so, okay, so Dr. Kinder has her first face-to-face interaction with Sly and she says to him, enlighten me, my little Einstein. And then he, that's when it switches over to English so the audience can understand it. And then he says to her, okay, that's it. If you're going to talk out of your ass all the time, why don't you wear a bow tie on your butt? The fuck does that mean? Would that not be the equivalent of wearing a bow tie around your mouth? Which makes more sense, but still not a lot. That's our first big joke, and I still don't understand it. It's so good when you say it, though. Oh, I mean, I may use it now that we're bringing it up, but uh, I don't understand it. I'm, I, and also, she doesn't understand it because it's in a baby language, and she says, just because I don't understand what you're saying doesn't mean I don't understand what's going on. Don't be too sure about that, honey. And it's like, no, I think you don't understand yeah, no one understands. Uh, yeah, and then it kind of just becomes them going back and forth with pop culture references, and that's the scene. Uh, <laughs> all, right, all right, I got a lot to say about the um, the other twin, Wit's environment, which is um, Peter McNichols and Kim Cattrall run a um, festering, moribund foster home, which, I gotta say, looks like it's in great shape for something that's about to go under. <laughs> I know I should not bring logic into this movie, but, like, we gotta fill a half hour. Why doesn't Dr. Kinder help finance the daycare center just for reputation alone? If word got out that she loved babies that much, but her own niece's foster home goes under? (laughs) 
How does that make any sense? She and, lives on reputation. And isn't the husband also like using it as a research center or facility as well? So like, doesn't that directly tie into what she's doing and is supposedly stealing from him? Like, yeah. Why does she not financially support it to begin with? I don't they understand. They could blackmail that. her to yeah. expose her for stealing those ideas. But Peter McNichol's character is such a goddamn doormat. Let's get that out of the way. Apparently, Dr. Kinder plagiarizes everything. Everything he does, <laughs> according to Kim Cattrall. And he says, well, she's goal-oriented. Yeah. Okay. That's your... You are poor. You are... He's the one true male ally. He's just like... <laughs> I'm not going to get in the way of your she, goals. Steal she's a everything. strong, independent woman. You know, you, you, yeah. you, you have the lives of toddlers in your care and you're not going to sue. <laughs> you have the blueprints. You have the sketches for the robotic baby. Don't know why you'd want to take credit for it. Maybe that's why. But call like a tabloid. People know who she is. Yeah. I'm okay. also very curious about the people that they have employed, like the hapless teenager that wants to be fired, yeah. and yeah. the weird plumber. Like, they're barely characters. What I would not give for that job security. I think, isn't that a line in the movie? Where um, their their nephew, Dickie, is trying to get fired just to prove that he'll get fired. I don't know. And it's not really given a lot of explanation. And he changes his name to Ice Pick, and uh, uh, I just gotta say this. There is one line that I legitimately find funny. Like, I actually find it a funny line. Is Kim Cattrall asks him, why can't you be more creative with your name? Something like, Ice Pick the Great, or <laughs> Saint Ice Pick, or the Great and Powerful Wizard of Ice Pick. <laughs> if someone renamed themselves the Great and Powerful Wizard of Ice Pick, I would want them on my team. And Ruby D's character first refers to him as Nose Pick, but then that becomes nosebleed. So he goes from ice pick to nosebleed. Coming to your 2020 ballot. I love, like, the, the fist pump she does after, like, the one zinger. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's like, was. yes! I, I don't even remember either. I've seen this movie, like, a dozen times. I, I don't know. It's like, it wasn't that good. But then she's just like, yes! That, that one outfit of his, though, where he has, like, the stop sign on his forehead yeah. and, like, the deep v-neck style icon. <laughs> style icon. Ooh, speaking of fashion, though, speaking of fashion, the little pilot jacket that the baby has on at the end, yeah. I love it. I want yeah. it. <laughs> so cute. It is. I found one like just like that at Nordstrom Rack, but they didn't have my size, and I was so Aww. sad. You could have cosplayed as a <laughs> slide from Baby Geniuses. You, you, you gotta hold out for that. Uh, you got two months till Comic-Con. Yeah. Um, also, about Peter McNichols and Kim Cattrall, I'm pretty sure they do not have sex because they have a two-year-old, they have a one-year-old, they have a house full of foster kids, and yet the dad says, why don't we have another baby? Like, that is not what you're lacking. Yeah. No. That is not your motivation. And he looks plain dejected when yeah, she says maybe next year. <laughs> He's like, no! <laughs> can, I can I talk about that, though? Because, like, this is definitely yes. a, a family movie. And there is way too much neck nuzzling, first of all. And then they, like, run up the stairs with each other. And I can only assume that they're going to go find condoms, maybe, so that they can do it. Uh, but... Why? Why? There's too much physical affection. I don't like it. It's weird. It's again I, missing the demographic. 
I read that in a Netflix review where someone had to turn it off like 20 minutes in because there was too much making out and soft swear words, which I mean, first of all, we get it. You're Christian. Number two, watch the movie before you watch it with your kids. Like that's just, uh, I digress, but I just, I don't like parents who are dumb. Do any of us? Not at all. What's after that? That's when um, right. Sly escapes from solitary confinement. <clears throat> Where they let him have tools in his room for some yeah. reason. you think they would have learned. One of them he sneaks in, but then the caregivers say, Alright, go to sleep or it's Valium. Which I'm pretty sure it's illegal to give a toddler. <laughs> also, the solitary confinement. How has this place not been raided? <laughs> but he gets out, of course he gets out, and his girlfriend, Lexi won't come with him because she's apparently the one the one woman who he loves the most he doesn't try to break them all out just her okay um and yet despite her being his one woman he gets out onto the open streets after he escapes and the first thing he says is where are the chicks because <laughs> two-year-olds think with their dicks apparently yeah, i apparently. did write that down i love that weirdly heteronormative shit that they just why? Yeah, the prepubescent um, sexual desire. Also, were there no women out on the street that night? Look around. You'll find there some. There were so many people out on the street, and literally none of them even cast him a second glance. Yeah, yeah, no one even looked. They, no one even noticed him until he was in the mall, and the yeah. employee's like, hey. And like, it's double uh, agents, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to get this out of the way. Besides the whole tap number and the disco <laughs> number, maybe this movie would be more adequately called Baby Gymnasts. Yeah. <laughs> because apparently um in this universe brain power equals physical miracles <laughs> because sly at least sly i don't know about the others he is um physically unstoppable yeah. <laughs> he's like faster than grown grown men first of all he can dance amazing backflips he can do karate i don't know if that's real karate or not all you know Maybe i feel like karate but in air quotes yeah, I had a feeling, I mean, because I, I took karate classes around the age I was when I saw this movie, and like, granted, I wasn't an expert, but I never saw moves like that. And <laughs> I feel it's just like, wow, you're geniuses who have knowledge of everything, but you can't get your Asiatic martial arts terms correct, okay. Yeah. It's that um, physical intelligence, right? Athletic intelligence. Well, yeah, apparently it spans the board in this movie's version of genius. Yeah. So, yeah, sure. You know what? The kids think it's funny to see people do flips. <laughs> Let's give them the flips. Just give the people what they want. <laughs> give them the flips. And then Wit gets abducted, and Sly gets taken into the foster home. And there is a point where Dr. Kinder actually says, if anyone finds out we switch the two, we go to prison. <laughs> has anyone? Has no one checked this building before? It's a big building. How do they cover it so well? I guess the amusement park is just like a laundering scheme, right? Like a front for the rest yeah. of it? Yeah, Because yeah. I was actually going to say, what does the amusement park actually serve except to be a set piece for them to show off the robots later in the movie for like some funny things, sort of? But I guess that's that's my answer is it's just a cover-up. Yeah. But this uh, this whole secret facility has seemingly been running for two years right so what were they doing about the amusement park i mean and, and they're 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 making enough money that you know things anyone who makes that much money can't possibly be bad <laughs> so Don't audit them. as we all know 
they're they're trying to explain what's going on to Wit, and there's this one line about Dr. Kinder's theory, and Lexi says, we don't even get it, and we're geniuses, which kind of summarizes the clarity of this plot pretty well <laughs> by the movie itself. And then Sly, being the only smart baby aside from Wit's sister, um, is trying to train the babies for battle. There is this one part, this one part I do actually find, another part I find genuinely funny, is he's training these toddlers for battle, and there's like this big plastic pole that um, Sly kicks to demonstrate, quote-unquote, karate. And he says, okay, guys, let's try this one at a time. And as soon as he says that, everyone immediately rushes for it at once and yells, I said one at, one at a time! time. I actually, I find that visual, and I did, actually did find that part funny. Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, this is a movie that, like, it, it has its moments, both a couple genuine ones and also mostly ironic ones. You can laugh with and at this movie, Mostly at, but, you know, if, as long as you're entertained. And then we get to the hypnosis. <laughs> where Sly hypnotizes Dom DeLuise in his sleep because that, because apparently in your subconscious you can not only remember your childhood language, but you can also be controlled by it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. How do you jump the shark of your own story at an hour mark? <laughs> And something I just found, something I never heard before slang-wise, was that because it's a kid's movie and you need gross humor, they get him to pick his nose because that's showing that he's under the influence of the hypnosis. But the kid starts saying, yeah, pick it. Pick it. Which I've never heard that as the term used. They're just like, pick it. Pick it. I've never heard it referred to just picking it. I, I found that worth noting because I've never heard it referred to as pick it before or since and then they decide to um just torch the the prison and go to a secret lab in Liechtenstein. and dr kinder's big line that proves how rich she is is Liechtenstein. i hate Liechtenstein because anyone who has an opinion on Liechtenstein clearly travels i don't even know what to say to all of that <laughs> who has an opinion on a Liechtenstein? Uh, uh, go on, uh, uh, go on, Lita. I didn't even know that it was supposedly a real place. <laughs> like, I yeah, when I heard of it in movies, I did not know it was a real place. But I thought, wait, they can't all be making up the same place. Oh, it's a country that no one goes uh... to. <laughs> Ergo, no one cares. Just like this movie. Best character in the movie, the nine one one operator. <laughs> <laughs> She is the audience surrogate. She is the one who is responding the way all of us are. <laughs> Baby language or no, you make stuff up when you're one. So he, they're, all right. So they're driving to the baby prison, and Peter McNichols calls nine one one to say there's an emergency, and he explains the plot to the nine one one operator, and they say, "So how old is your son? He's two, and he's been he's um been kidnapped." by his great aunt because she switched him with his twin brother. <laughs> and the other is like, she switched him for his twin brother? And that's why you didn't know he was kidnapped. And he's like, yes. And how do you know this, sir? My daughter told me. And how old is she? 18 months. And what is happening to these children? They're being taken to a secret lab in Liechtenstein. Oh, a secret lab in Liechtenstein. Oh, it's all right, sir. We get calls like this all the time. And so he hangs up because it's not going to work. 
and Kim Cattrall issues a bomb threat to the baby coat building and says, we're going to blow those little suckers to Venus. And she can't say fuckers because it's a PG movie. But how great would it have been if there had been a precision F strike in a movie about babies? Because no kids, no kids are paying attention at this movie. Only half the adults are paying attention. They might not have even known. Yeah. So they- very clearly a pre 9-11 movie, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, it's like a year before 9-11. Yeah, so, yeah, because the bomb threat's never brought up again. <laughs> they don't trace back the call. Yeah, she's not, she's not put in jail for it. A lot of people should be in jail in this movie, and they're not. Yeah, and she, but she says, there's a bomb in there, and we're going to blow those little fuckers to Venus. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> Such a specific planet, too. <laughs> and so that's how the cops get there. So now we're kind of at, we're at the climactic showdown. And um, what did you guys think of this scene? Of the robot showdown? Yeah, where they get the robots to turn on their creators. And that, well, that's pretty much the whole scene. And the babies are able to physically win over the adults. Controlling the robots. I'll, I'll be honest, I kind of zoned out at this point. Yeah, I was checked out. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> the first time I watched this movie with my parents... This scene, with all of this um, ahead-of-its-time technology and physical violence, was when my dad officially checked out of the movie. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm nine. Now, I'm nine, mind you. And he goes, oh, come on, man. And I go, what? And he says, this was a cute little movie, and now this? <laughs> and even as a kid, once he mentioned it, that did kind of make sense. But I gotta say, he gave it a chance <laughs> until the last 15 minutes... And when you give this entire movie a chance and you finally can't take it anymore, it's probably a pretty dumb scene. And my dad has very little tolerance for dumb movies, but he gave it a chance. And um, this part seriously annoys me. Like, I make fun of it, but it actually, like, I find it almost offensive. Dr. Kinder gets um, wit put in a sack. I mean, I know they let him breathe, but still, you put a baby in a sack... Classic villain. How are they not on death row? So they put they put him in a helicopter, and Dr. Kinder is going up the rope ladder to um, get into the helicopter. Kim Cattrall pulls her down. It's like the shaky cam slow-mo. The music is like something out of, like, Law and & Order. <laughs> and she pulls her down, and they're having, like, they're about to have, like, a physical fight. She's above her with a fist raised, saying, I swear to God, Annalena... I will do it, I will. And then Kinder reveals the big twist that Kim Cattrall was herself adopted and she's not really Dr. Kinder's niece. So Kim Cattrall then clobbers her, saying she'd feel terrible doing that to her real aunt, as if the only thing keeping her back was blood relation. Yeah. <laughs> it always pisses me off when people say that adopted families aren't real families. Yeah. yeah. It's messed yes. up. It takes months to get the legal process done with. They love you, they raised you, but if your eyes aren't the same color, apparently you're not the real kid. Yeah, like, I said that I said that with a very you delivery. <laughs> yeah. I feel it's a very mixed message that they're sending too, because like they themselves have an adopted kid and they're like, Oh, okay, like this is our child, and now we have th his twin that we didn't know about, but like now they're both our children. But then at the same time, she's like, oh, I'm glad that I'm not related to my aunt after all, so I can punch her. So, like, what message are you really trying to send? That yeah, family isn't yeah. family. If you don't like them, then it doesn't matter if you're blood related. 
The first question is, why is there a fist fight between two adults in this family movie? <laughs> also, but just, like, the logic makes no sense. It's kind of offensive to anyone watching this who has adoptive kids. And it just kind of clears itself up after that, because the cops come, it all fades out, and then Peter McNichols gets knocked out. Apparently he's recovering for, it doesn't say how long, at least a couple days. They have Sly and Wit are both adopted, but they've learned how to talk, they've crossed over, as it's called, and they don't have the secrets of life. The little girl, Carrie, does, but she refuses to talk because no adult should know them, so the whole plot led to nothing. Mm -hmm, yep. And then we have and that fabulous ending montage of the movie we just saw. Yeah, this is so I, weird. <laughs> they, if they had to, like, fill time, because I counted... It lasts a solid two minutes. It's not even like it's not got like quirky fun music. It's like really sentimental music. Yeah, I know. Like, it's like it's like look at all the memories of the yeah. thing you just saw. Oh, it was so deep and meaningful, wasn't it? Don't you feel sentimental right now? I gotta say, a montage of white babies out of context with a slow country song playing it's is creepy. just so Christian. <laughs> I was gonna say Christian creepy, also creepy. Yeah. It 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 the whole thing's a joke and I was so glad I got to revisit it. <laughs> yeah. The part where the kid is like, "Oh, I I don't know. I kind of feel weird." I was like, "Oh, Aunt Elena, I don't feel so good. Like is he going <laughs> to fucking get the snap?" <laughs> I didn't know that learning to talk was physically painful, but then again, we don't remember, do yeah. we? Nope. We don't. What what a sick film. It's it's sick. <laughs> It's just sick. Um, are, are we doing final summations? Yeah, I, I guess so. Oh, okay, final thoughts. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. People sometimes will put this movie on, like, lists of worst of all time, but I don't really think that's fair. It's bad, but it's not that bad, yeah. which some might say is worse because it's better to be the worst of the worst and worth remembering than just normal bad, but here's the thing. It's such a th there's such a thing as being too bad. Like you, you, the one I think of is Birdemic. It's a movie that's so bad it's not even funny anymore. This movie is just bad enough. Yeah, I like, wouldn't put it. Yeah, it's not like boring bad either. I would say. Yeah, it's like kid movie bad. Yeah, yeah. which isn't like if a movie's made for adults and it's bad, that belongs on the worst list of all time. But like, it's not really fair. But there's such there's such amount of indolence. And not trying when it comes to family movies, especially in the era of, like, the 90s to the aughts, yeah. that it's just its own category. It's a movie, this is a bad movie that makes for mindless watching. It's something you can put on in the background, for the background noise, enjoy a few select scenes that actually do work. Which I think kind of gives it an edge over a lot of bad movies. But it's something that, alright, in a nutshell, I knew it was bad, I still know it's bad, but I never mind revisiting <laughs> it, either. Like, it is, it is enjoyably bad, and just good enough to be okay bad. Th yeah. th that's how I'd put it. I, uh, I feel like there had to have been a very specific demographic and, like, perceived need in Hollywood in this era, because we have this, and we also have Look Who's Talking, and Look Who's Talking 2, T-O-O, and I feel like there's, like, another couple movies that are similar this also reminded me a little bit of like cats and dogs of the whole like 
there's this secret world and you can't understand them and they're actually all really smart and they're at war with something uh and the plot is needlessly complex and we have some like big name actors that are just having a good time and collecting a paycheck i'm pretty sure jeff goldblum is in cats and dogs or whatever is he? I think so. He's like a crazy scientist or something. I haven't seen it since theaters, and that was a trash movie. Yeah, it was really bad. But obviously there was like some sort of, you know, perceived need for these types of movies. Uh, and Money. Yeah, yeah. Which is so interesting because I feel like even though we have so many terrible movies being made now, they're all terrible in a different way. Yeah, I feel like each... Boring there's bad. Like, there's, there's eras of bad family films. Yeah. It feels like. And at least they tried. Like, they had some, like, they set up shots. They tried. They tried it with the cinematography and stuff. Yeah, they had, like, the fisheye lenses. And yeah, which is interesting. Stuff. Which, and also odd. Yeah. <laughs> Upon odd rewatching, choice. it's kind of odd. And they don't use them for the whole movie. They use them for the intense scenes. Yeah, let's use the silliest looking effect <laughs> we have for our intense scenes because anything goes in this world. And then they don't really use them again in the second or third act, which was so odd and wrong. Yeah. I, I think that about wraps it up. <laughs> I don't really have any thoughts. Um. <laughs> I have something to say about the show in general. You do not really have an outgoing catchphrase. And ever since the beginning of this show, I've always thought your outgoing catchphrase should be, I'm Jackie, I'm Lita, Movie. I remember you telling me about that. And you never, in, you never instated it. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not me you hurt. <laughs> it's the people. Uh-huh. This has been a lot. <laughs> I told you I had a lot to say. I told you I've been waiting, and I had so much to say. That's been a comedy month for the Why Haven't You Watched That podcast. We're going to go on hiatus now. I'm so sorry. September, there aren't going to be any new episodes because we need a bit of a break. We need time to process baby geniuses. We need time to we need to sit with it for a while, and then we'll be back in October mm -hmm. for two spoopy movies that we're gonna do. <laughs> yeah. You're going to holiday themes now. This is big. This is a big. This is a big step a big for your step, show. Yeah. And they're gonna be uh, two switcheroo episodes, ones that I haven't seen. So get ready for that this fall. Uh, so be sure to follow us on Twitter, please, on a YWT Podcast. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe. And thanks so much for listening. Uh, in the meantime, during our haters, you can re-listen to our episodes. <laughs> Just Yeah, and rate us. Just keep giving please. us five stars and reviewing us. Tell, Tell all you. your friends. Tell your you family. Have plenty of time. Tell your mailman. <laughs> Just tell everyone. <laughs> As yeah, um, um, as they say, if you like it, tell your friends. If you hate it, tell your enemies. We really need to start utilizing some clickbait too. I think like you'll never guess what we said about baby geniuses. Top five baby geniuses. You'll never guess who's gay in Moonlight. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So I've been Jackie. I've been Lita. I continue to be Bonner Dumbling. <laughs> And this has been Why Haven't You Watched That? <laughs>